This is episode 15. You are listening to ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. I am Russ Shaw. It's always been my passion over the years of doing this podcast to understand, to process, and then articulate the truth claims of these two worlds known as psychology and faith. And honestly, when I think about the collision of these two worlds, truth be told, you know, yes, there's some great stuff in psychology. There is some great steps that can be taken in our behavior modification, yes. But underneath that, the desires of the heart, man, we are all looking for paradise. We're all chasing and running towards some kind of freedom, some kind of destination, whether it be escape or a place to just be and sit and understand what does it mean to arrive at paradise. Because we're going there, man. We're chasing it. We all got it in our hearts. some Coldplay. I love that band. On the last episode, I talked a little bit about the direction of the show, right? The podcast, what it's about, and why it exists. And, man, thank you for for everything that you've given and, and your feedback and, you know, keeping this thing going. Yeah, man, the fact that you guys would donate your life energy to keep it online and it's a measly 26 bucks a month but man it was getting low it was like on empty and and we're getting up there a little bit it's paid on into the summer and you know but anyhow if you like the show asi247.org you can donate there and man i just appreciate you know all you guys who who write a little more action than words. I, I dig that about you. Like this isn't digital therapy or anything like that, but there are bills that need to be paid to keep it online. And while people have great kind words, actions speak way louder than words, right? All right, I'm not in this for the money, of course not, but it does take money to keep this kind of a production going. You know, also, you guys who are prayer warriors, right? Like, I get emails from people, we're praying for you, Russ. I don't got the money to give right now, but I'm praying that, that someone's coming through, you know, with keeping the show up. And, and some of you guys who do donate and did donate, man, you are an answer to prayer um, for keeping this thing alive. And, and I appreciate you, man. I do. Right here.
right in my heart. I appreciate it. In the midst of the most painful faces, angels show up in the strangest of places. Angels show up in the strangest of places. Places, 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 places. Going through this life. Now when it comes to getting help for this thing, you know, when it comes to seeking out help, I guess I wonder what your approach is, you know, I mean, what, where are you at? I've gotten lots of different emails over the years from, from people who just kind of stumbled across a podcast and, you know, just looking for something new to listen to, to some people who are just, you know, on the ropes, life is dissolving and sexual addiction has become like alcohol addiction you know I mean they're just losing everything you know just some of the feedback had me thinking about how you guys are heart people some of you guys are starting to get it you know and some of you guys are starting to realize that this is more of a, a heart thing than it is a brain thing and while I do love psychology um, there's a little more going on right like I'll give you an example um Thorndike is a guy who's kind of one of the granddaddies of what's called reinforced um, behavior kind of psychology, right? And, and his theory is that every being on the planet, you know, that we evolved from some primordial goo and, and all the other animals who are in the planet, we're all looking to get out of pain and into pleasure, right? So we're all reinforcing our behavior in our pleasure centers. And, and this guy did some experimentation on cats and, and rats and, and stuff like that. And it had me thinking about instinct, you know. I talked about in the last podcast how, you know, the only things you really have to do in life is, is you have to eat. And if you don't eat, you'll die. But but when you when you die, you're gonna pay taxes. So you you got to do those two things. You got to die and pay taxes. That's the only two things you have to do. Um, and Thorndike had you know some of his thinking is is in instinctive, right? Like rats, you don't have to tell a rat that a rat doesn't care about you know whether he doesn't think about it. He's just like I'm gonna eat, you know. And if it tastes good, I'm gonna eat some more. And it, you know if you stimulate certain ple pleasure centers of in a rat's brain, it'll eat itself to like the size of a of a football or a watermelon. I mean, uh, you know, so, and, and some of this is true and some of it you can trace back to just bonehead psychology. And, and I agree with some of it, but we're not rats. All right. And go into some of the theological realities is to get you to think about the fact that, you know, you are a spirit with a body and you are a little deeper of a freaking creature than a rat or a cat or a dog or a rabbit. You really are. All right. And on the faith side, you'll hear people say, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't understand sexual addiction, first of all. And they just say, well, you're just a sinner. You need to repent. You need to pray and have some faith. All right. Well, what does that mean? And, and when it comes to the collision of these two worlds, right, psychology and faith or religion, this piece of scripture is brought to mind. It's from James uh, chapter 2, starts in verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? 
If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give him the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus, faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. All right, that's uh, James chapter 2. Uh, 14 through 17, and that is a, a illumination. You're, you're, again, your heart, your your spirit with with a body. Um, it's kind of like, and that's where I go with some of the psychology. It's like, it's like calling a watermelon a green ball, right? Well, that's a green ball. Well, yeah, it, it is. You're not wrong, but it's a little deeper than that, isn't it? You know, and it's getting folks to think about that, you know, think about faith. What really drives you underneath your animal instincts and appetites, right? So, you know, I, I guess it depends on your approach. For me, I just wanted this thing right out of me. I wanted this addiction off of me. I wanted the monkey off my back so bad I was willing to sacrifice some of my pride when it came to getting a counselor, you know, and seeing that cat once a week, I'm self-employed. I don't got, you know, insurance for that kind of thing. So, you know, it cost me some money. So I, I shelled out some money. And that was good because, I, you know, I didn't have a generous heart when it came to giving away something. Part of my conviction in listening to the cat that was telling me what to do, you know, I'm giving him money. Maybe I ought to do what he says, right? Um, I... I I started to get into John Wooden. I don't know if you know who John Wooden is. He's a basketball coach. I was on the, checking out the ESPN's um, top coaches of all time. And, and right up there, man, at the top is, is John Wooden, you know. And not just basketball. I'm more talking coaching in general. John Wooden, probably the best coach that ever lived when it comes to coaching uh, sports. Not just collegiate sports, but professional sports of any kind. This man has is uh, amazing, amazing guy who can lead people and, and get people to pull things out of themselves that they didn't even know were there. So just got the utmost respect for this man and the way he taught. Now, John Wooden uh, was gifted in, in the way that he could teach on a couple of different levels. Now, for me, it was always... You know, I've, I've had therapists over the years. I've had psychologists and psychiatrists. I've I had Christian counselors. And the best ones that got, right, when I saw a change in me, it was the ones that could pull stuff out of me, right? It was the ones that were coaches. Those were the ones that really moved me from the inside out, right? They could pull things out of me that I, I didn't know were there, just like John Wooden. Like all the, the athletes that trained under, under Mr. Wooden, they all said that. Um, he could pull stuff out of you. And he could do it without making you resentful. And that was another gift he had. He was able to teach fundamentals. Now, when it comes to theology, and another thing I learned over the years and getting older, that a lot of the psychology, you know, you know, there's the in theological terms, it's the spiritual energy that's chasing, right? Like we're we're flowing out. That's what we do. And 
you see this with with people kind of like the lyrics in that song, right? Like she's reaching and, and feeling it slipping through her fingers, her dreams or whatever, right? And she dreams of paradise. See, and when it comes to defining this word paradise, it's like defining the word in shallow terms can be deadly, right? And people don't see it, you know? I mean, you, you hear... It's it's like, you know, there's people that reach for, in their professional career, right? If I could be, you know, if I could achieve this place in my career, or if I could be rich and famous, and if money wasn't an option, and if people loved me and knew my name, kind of a thing, you know? And then they get there, and sexual integrity issues, right? Like, like crack open a newspaper. And paradise is this thing that we we feel it, right? We feel its energy. It's not just a, a philosophical or psychological concept. We we feel it, right? Ultimately, what you are on the surface uh, in this point in time is a conglomeration of what you've believed over the years, how you have behaved as a result of that belief, right, has brought you and I to this point in our lives. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is, is from Ecclesiastes, where King Solomon says that God puts eternity in the hearts of men, right? And there's something to this concept of paradise that we're constantly reaching and groping for paradise. Even in the darkness, you know, in the darkness of my suicidal tendencies, I was uh, like, that's going to be paradise, all right? I'll get rid of Russ Shaw. My family will be better off because I won't be around to screw everything up. And they'll have the money because I'm better off dead, right? I'm, I'm worth more dead than I am alive. I was talking to a, a guy and he was talking about some of his suicidal thoughts and, and that's one of them and, and I'm like, dude, you know, if you think about it, a lot of us are worth more dead than alive. I mean, if you look at people's life insurance policies, it, your net worth is worth less than your life insurance policy will pay out if you die. All right, that's most people's life insurance. You ever hear this term, um, buying the farm? Bob, he bought the farm. It means he died, right? It also means that his life insurance paid out and, and old McDonald was able to pay off his farm or his wife was. We're more than money, all right? I mean, I remember being infected with this identity of having to produce an income and if I didn't do that I wasn't worth anything it's the it's a lie it's a huge lie I heard that more men end up committing suicide over career stuff you know over job stuff over not being able to produce an income man what does redemption look like for you and what does it look like for your heart to, to change and, and for maybe you to show a ripple effect to your family and your community that life is a little deeper than dollar bills. Man, we are in a tough economic state. The whole world is right now and maybe God's trying to show us something.
that our identity and, and who he created us to be is a little deeper than, than buying stuff. Maybe our lives are supposed to be more than our self-fulfilling version of paradise. Maybe God's trying to show us that our definition of paradise needs to be deeper than that. Maybe we got to understand our identity goes deeper than that. And yeah, we've made mistakes and we have screwed things up, but we get to love from here on out. And in that humiliation, we can learn some humility, right? Talking about a different economy. See, throughout life, our hearts are, are being tested, right? They're being tested with this word paradise, and they're being tested based on just the moments, things that happen, the defining moments of life. And that's something I really wanted to present here with this season two concept, right? It is thinking about the defining moments in life and really some of the hard times when the hard times come and you're exposed to a little piece of, of your heart that you may not even have known about yourself. You'll hear a lot of Christians, like, like I considered myself, right? You know, and I, I love Jesus and, and yeah, his kingdom is my paradise. But don't take my job away, right? Don't take my job away. Don't take my, my comfort away. Don't take my prestige away, right? What people think of me. See, when we're, when we're exposed and, and when things happen like that, it exposes our heart and, and how we view paradise. There's a story in the Bible where it's at the end of Jesus' life on this planet, right? In the flesh, where he's on the cross and he's crucified in between two thieves. And one of the thieves, mocking him, says, you know, some Messiah you are, right? He's like, you didn't, you, you, you could just get down at any moment if you really were who you say you are. You know, I'm paraphrasing, all right, I know. But <laughs> this is this guy's attitude. And man, I've, I was there, I was that, that thief. I was that thief on that cross going, you know what, life's got to work out for me my way. And this thief, his version of paradise was him getting down from there and going out and doing whatever he did in his life to, to survive. That was his version of paradise. And if we're honest, listen, can't we relate to that thief, you know? Like, Jesus, save me, right? If you are who you say you are, then you would answer my prayer in this area right here. I want you to answer it now, and I want it, I want it now. Free me from my crappy job or, you know, my... I don't have what the, the folks on MTV Cribs have. And, and maybe some of you have been lied to that... Uh, about that, you know, and the prosperity gospel preachers who take verses out of context and, and tell you that you're going to get some personal blessing if you give money to their cause, right? Give your 10% to their ministry and, and God's going to bless you tenfold and take verses out of Malachi and, and change them to, to be about you and not about his kingdom. 
not about Jesus's paradise, right? They they replace, they they reduce it. They it's reductionism. They take Jesus's paradise and they and they change it into to be in your personal um, blessing and, and stuff. And sure, some of that stuff does happen. Like people are blessed, but ultimately God's after your heart. God's after your heart, man. Because I believe that, you know, I'm, I was that guy cursing God because my life didn't work out like I thought it should. I had this internet idea and, and you know, my dreams were starting to come true because I thought I was a good guy given and, and not being a, an addict anymore, right? I got off the drugs and the, and the booze and, and maybe he could overlook the sex thing, you know, and, and this started to happen and, and I'm meeting with the, with people, you know, investment capital people and, and they're, they like my idea and, and then the NASDAQ crashed. Right? The NASDAQ crashed and, and they didn't return my calls. This was 1999. And, and then after that, I was like, okay, Lord, just don't, I don't want to be a sex addict anymore. You know? And I was praying that. If you are who you say you are, you know, set the captives free, you'll make me not a sex addict anymore. And that was really part of my heart, too, that, that I had this addiction and it wasn't going away. And, and he does say that, too. He does uh, the promises in the Bible to set us free. But, but first, he's after your heart. He's after your heart. After some years of recovery and tears and on my knees and, and talking to God and, and furthermore listening to him, you know, getting in that book and really praying and then listening to him. I, I'm at a different place where, where I want to echo what the other thief said. Uh, I guess his name was Dismas. There's actually a Christian rock band named after the other thief that, that says this. Because right after the thief that mocks Jesus, right, saying, oh yeah, save us, save yourself. This guy goes, hey, shut up. Right, I'm paraphrasing. Actually, that's in the Message Bible. <laughs> Message Bible's like, the guy says, shut up. He says, he says, listen, you and I are getting our just reward. He says, we did wrong and we are being punished for what we did rightly. He says, this man did nothing wrong and he's dying up here with us. Aren't you afraid? Aren't you afraid of God? Aren't you afraid of where you're going past this day. And keep in mind, this cat ain't a good guy, right? He, he didn't go down and get baptized either, okay? He's up there on the cross because he was punished, this Dismas guy, right? And he says this to Jesus. He says, he says Jesus, when you get to your, your kingdom, remember me, okay? Remember your boy Dismas up here. And Jesus says, truly, Truly, I say to you, tonight you'll be with me in paradise. When Jesus' version of paradise is lifted up, when we follow Jesus, because he, he, he proved the Pharisees wrong, okay? He rolled away the stone and he is alive. There's no tomb for Jesus Christ. 
the Discovery Channel people haven't proven anything. His DNA is not out in the desert somewhere. That isn't true. Jesus is who he says he is. There, we will live beyond this life. I'm looking forward to hanging out with some of you guys that I, I'll, I'll probably never meet on this side. You know, that's true. We will meet in paradise. So he comes back, you know, and he talks to people, and there's a lot of witnesses that see him, and this is recorded hundreds of times in, in ancient data, all right? This is one of the pinnacle things for me. Uh, this whole thing that Jesus didn't come back after he was crucified is silly historically. That's proven. That is true. And what does he say? He says, go out and, and, and make disciples. He, he gives them something to do. Peter, right? Peter, you know, imagine being Peter. Peter denied him three times. And then Jesus is executed. And then he sees Jesus alive. Imagine how he felt, man. He felt a lot of shame, first of all. But then Jesus is like, Peter, do, do you love me? He asks him three times to feed my sheep. He gives him things to do. Here's some things to do. You love me? Cool. Here's some things to do. It's not, it's not, I'll love you if you do these things. It's, do you love me? It's a totally different economy than giving to get. Like, I have to earn this love. No, Jesus is saying, if you love me, right, you already love me. I love you. That's obvious. The blood-splattered cross is a blinking exclamation point that, of God's grace and love for us. Obvious blinking exclamation point that people matter, man. Children, women, men matter to God, matter so much that he gave the ultimate sacrifice to buy us back. It changes the economy. Do these things. Live your life towards this direction. Be about what I'm doing, Jesus says. Follow me, right? The, the build, like I talked about in the last show, building your house on the foundation, on a firm foundation, do, is about doing the things Jesus talks about. When Jesus becomes the treasure, when we become more invested in what Jesus is doing than getting ours and what we should be doing, right? That's a different economy, man. It's based in love and not me getting mine or me being some rock star, you know? The Apostle Paul, you know, I love this guy. He had a total different economy when it came to the self, right? His old self-image. There's something he said, quick little verse for you. Romans 8, 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. This guy had a real sense of economy. Right? Read that whole chapter, by the way. It's awesome. Romans 8. See, when that paradise becomes the destination that we're walking towards, it changes everything. Sexual addiction, right? My sexual identity had a destination that I was going to get to. 
You know, it's not. It's the saddest thing for a, to happen to a person is not like dying of AIDS or something like that, or hepatitis and some of these sexually transmitted diseases. I think the saddest thing is is some of these old dudes in Vegas sitting in some buffet somewhere all alone because their penis ran their life and they arrive at that destination man I just pray that you guys are going to finish well you know you're going to love your families you're going to love your community you're going to shine that love out right be about what God's doing I love you guys I'm going to end the show right there I'm going to close out with a, a song from the band Dismas talking about that other thief right I love that guy paradise until next time bye it feels like the sky has never been so blue but that's not the way it used to be cause there was a time